Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker coming to you from Western Australia and with me is my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And today, our special guest is Robert Bell from Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, Robert is a transformational strategist and uh, author of a book called Blow the Lid Off. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. And Rail, I'm very excited to be here to have this conversation and to talk about all things excellence and creativity and anything in between. Yeah, excellent, because I, I've just finished reading a book and there, there's some really good stuff in there, uh, which, you know, uh, uh, I'd, I'd hardly recommend to our listeners. So you talk about um, procrastination and, you know, procrastination is a biggie for a lot of people. Uh, how do we, how does that actually prevent us from growing? Right. You know, procrastination for me signals doubt. Uh, we procrastinate when we have doubt either in the process or in our abilities or even a combination of the two. Um, depending on where you are on the scale, you, you tend to have a doubt in making the step forward because you're looking for more of a guaranteed outcome. And procrastination tends to set in because we, we're looking for that guaranteed outcome. Um, and myself, I'm a recovering corporate procrastinator. And what I've found is that in procrastination, behind procrastination is perfectionism. Uh, that's where that doubt comes in. So the doubt arises because of this need to be perfect in execution, to be perfect in the results, to be perfect in execution and minimize all, all the speed bumps. You know, as, as I said, I'm a recovering procrastinator because a corporate procrastinator is someone who, you know, you want to make sure that you don't attempt something that could affect your KPIs or may you know result in <laughs> a not so pleasant um, feedback from um, those further up the chain of command so you know you, you procrastinate on it and you procrastinate because you're trying to perfect it um, and that prevents us from growing because without that attempt without um, taking a full scope of your abilities or trusting the process learning from it then you you would never grow because growth doesn't happen unless you learn something and you can't learn something without first attempting it. And that's why I tell people, swap the procrastination, swap the perfectionism, and instead pursue excellence. That's that's an interesting definition, Robert, because when we talk about the Business Excellence Podcast on our website, which is excellencepodcast.com, we actually have a saying on the website, and, and, and we use it a lot, that says we never expect people to be perfect. We just want them to be the best version of themselves, which is excellent. And so, you know, our, our views align. So let me ask you something. You mentioned a word in there with corporate procrastinators, and that was KPIs. Now, in most organizations, KPIs are based on historical performance. Like you may have done something three months or six months ago that affects your bonus in six months' time, you know, you know, what, what, do, what do you think creativity does to change that? How do you change that mindset of, 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 of always focused on the KPI, not focused on, 
on on the leading indicator of what what can be done to improve the organization in the future all right thank you real you're you're absolutely correct you know kpis are lagging indicators right it, it's it's based on some sort of historical performance absolutely uh, and i'm going to take it from the perspective of the employer or from the manager um, how creativity can come into this you know as a manager as a people manager you know your your biggest fear is that you have unproductive staff members or unproductive teammates so a kpi is something that you, you is a tool that's used to you know sort of guarantee that you are achieving you know your results and in doing so you sort of strangle hold employees from taking a risk from being creative from trying a different perspective because in a when a kpi is given um, when i give a team or my team a kpi i'm also sort of giving them the process and the tools that they need and this is it's it's sort of like programming a computer that i need you to execute these tasks stay on these tasks any deviation from that will put that kpi at risk so from an employee perspective you know fusing creativity into it allows the teammates to one really interrogate the kpis to see if there's a um, a more efficient way of achieving the kpi but that cannot happen if the kpis are too too tight if they're too tight then there's no room for flexibility for someone to make that attempt because the risk of trying something without a guaranteed income can make you miss the kpi and then that happens from the employee's perspective i i have no room i have no capacity to try something different or to connect the dot or to respond to something that may have happened post the creation of the kpi because for example i mean we had all had kpis at the start of um 2020 and then poof you know we went into a global <laughs> pandemic um <laughs> so if you don't allow me that um flexibility to continuously reassess the kpi and also acknowledge when work is done outside of a kpi because i can do something very excellent in my job but if it's not in my kpi how do i get rewarded for that and, and that's why you need more leading indicators that can leverage on a teammate or an employee's ability to produce something because i may have a job description uh, as an accountant to produce financial statements but in that perhaps i've collaborated with someone in marketing and we have come up with something so wonderfully um that would be better let, let me let me hold it there for now <laughs> Okay so in your book you talk about people getting stuck in their comfort zone and I'm wondering you know whether people don't achieve KPIs because they that they, they won't move outside their comfort zone so you know what impact does it have if people stay in these in their comfort zone Absolutely you know when you stay in your comfort zone what tends to happen is that there's this unwritten rule that the best employee is the one who is able to perfect the process of achieving a KPI right you want to get better at achieving your KPI so this year you've achieved 60% of your KPI you want to master that process so you can achieve 80% of your KPI next year and what happens is that you get stuck in that comfort and comfort zone doesn't necessarily mean you're not producing it just means that you're producing below um your potential definitely below your potential and people get stuck in that comfort zone because you're continuously chasing the KPI and trying to perfect it as opposed to leveraging on the skills that you have developed you know perhaps in the past quarter or in the past year when you get stuck in the comfort zone like that a person realizes that it's not worth taking the risk i need to do or i need to be the person who can achieve this KPI as opposed to flipping it around and like 
how can the skills that I have, the uniqueness that I have, the preferences that I have, how can I put that and combine it together to actually not just achieve the KPI, but exceed the KPI? Because really often do people sit down and like, hmm, how can I exceed this KPI? Because to exceed a KPI means that you really got to be innovative. You got to step out of your comfort zone. You got to be able to raise your hand and say, I need support in this one, or I need to pick up this skill. It's it's sort of real, psychologically real. I don't know why. Uh, perhaps that's something we should <laughs> conduct a study on. Well, well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, it, most corporates, you know, have a when we attitude. Um, you know, when we did it like this, this is the way we've always done it. And so we'll keep on doing it. And I think it's only the new generation. And I hate using the generational terms of, you know, Gen Zs and baby boomers and, and, and millennials. But, but the truth of it is, they they do exude a different level of confidence and a different level of creativity. And they are probably prepared to speak out a lot sooner. I mean, how how does a company go about changing its culture? And that's my area, that's the area that I work in a lot, which is culture. How, you know, in your opinion, how do they go about changing the culture to allow creativity in the workplace? You know, what do they do that, that says it's okay to be creative? Okay. I'm trying to remember, and um, I, I want to make sure I give credit to where it's due. A uh, quotation just came to my mind that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I don't know if it's uh, Simon Sinek who said it. I'm not no, so sure. Um, I, I, I can't quite remember. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you see, a change of culture is required not because it's required. <laughs> I'm going to break that down, right? Changing yeah. a company culture, you don't change a company culture because you have multi-generational people in the workforce, right? You change a company culture to ensure that you leverage on the different mindsets that exist in a company. One of my, my signature talks is how to leverage on the millennial mindset. Uh, and I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I tend not to like using these generational terms, but I prefer to look at them as mindsets. Because absolutely, the millennial and the Gen Z mindset, not necessarily, because you can have a millennial mindset and still be a baby boomer, right? It's, it's the mindset of risking it, of trying something different, of, of pushing the envelope. Companies definitely need to change that culture and not to come out with the result that one culture or one mindset or one generation is better than the other, but how to fuse them together. So when, when I, whenever I give this workshop on... Uh, the achieving the millennial mindset in the workforce is helping people to understand that the process may look very different for people. It will look completely different, but what's, what's important is not just the outcome, but is using and leveraging the skill sets and uniqueness of the team, because you can create, you can achieve a KPI as an organization. And, and yes, we are working together. As you said, we have been doing this as it is, but are you leaving someone behind? Because when you leave someone behind and you don't incorporate them into the process, you can achieve so much more above that. So changing company culture is dictated mainly by ensuring that people are able to maximize their potential. And, and that's why human resources exist. How can we maximize the potential of the teammates, of the staff? And that can only happen is by understanding the various mindset, the millennial mindset, the baby boomer mindset, and seeing how best they can feed off each other and create that synergy. That's what I'll summarize it as. You know, that synergy is what drives the change of the company culture so that no one is left behind. So it's interesting you talk about the millennial mindset. In the book, you, you gave a story about your daughter, I think, who was five years old at the time, who said she wanted to be an astronaut. 
Um, how's she going with that? Um, has she has she reached that goal yet, or we're we still working on it? Still working on it. Um, oh, and, and I, that's one of the stories that people tend to resonate well with. And what I love about that is I've, in, as I mentioned in the book, is this this is the mindset that's coming into the workforce. Uh, actually, just yesterday I spoke at a high school about you know choosing a career, and and what I've been echoing a lot to people is that a career should not be the source of your identity. It can't be anymore, right? Life has become so dynamic. So it just goes back and I'm segueing from my previous point about leaving no one behind. And this is where creativity comes in because creativity for me is an identity extractor. So my daughter is still pursuing that goal of, of being an astronaut, an astronaut and landing on the moon. But I was very clear in the book that even if she doesn't become a professional astronaut, right? I'm trying to unearth what is it about that profession or about that career that she is, you know, attaching herself to that she finds meaning in. And I use this other example. I mean, I think almost every child, when they grow up, they want to be a doctor. I mean, I think that's like 80%. I want to be a doctor. And I've been telling educators, learning instructors, parents, that when you hear such signals from a child, don't necessarily push them towards the career of being a doctor. Find out what is it about the medical profession that they are attaching themselves to. And you'll find for some instance, it could be saving lives. In other instances, it could be serving others. In other instances, it could be something else, a biological perspective. And careers and life is changing so much that there's no one profession that can fully satisfy any human being anymore. And it requires us to have transferable skills and leverage on different aspects. I'm still an accountant, but I'm, I'm a coach, I'm a speaker, I'm leveraging on different aspects of my identity and fusing that and expressing that through my career and through my profession. It's an interesting observation. You know, um, you said that as we get older, our creativity is is like stamped out of us or, or I'll use the word beaten out of us. Um, I used to once upon a time teach a lot of negotiation skills, and I believe children are the best negotiators because they they don't have uh, the ability. They know what they want, and they just go for it. Whereas with adults, as we become older and older and more experienced, we kind of we become more reserved. So I think it's a really interesting observation. Um, you know that we we kind of um, we 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 stop ourselves from being creative. So. How, how does creativity help in achieving excellence? As I answer that question, that's a great observation. And I'm just thinking quickly on my feet. I believe that one of the things that helps someone to become a good negotiator is definitely creativity. Because when you're <laughs> negotiating, you have to consider possibilities. You have to be able to read between the lines you also have to be very clear on what it is that you want. And a child is very clear on what it is that they want. And when you bring that objection to them, they are very clear and look for how that objection can be addressed. And that requires a bit of resilience. That requires a bit of creativity to, to see how to connect the dots. Uh, so if you tell the child, look, we can only have um, TV after you finish your homework. And they're like, what if I can do my homework while I watch the TV? I mean, they'll just come up with so many different um, counter arguments. You're like, how, how did you even see that? And it can be frustrated as a parent or a teacher. You're like, these guys just don't know how to quit, right? Um, so definitely um, having strong negotiation skills requires the ability to tap into creativity. And creativity here, we've been talking about, it's, it's not just artistic or musical. 
it's scholarly, it's intellectual, it's connecting the dots, it's connecting things that don't seem as obvious. And that's why children can learn through singing, through playing, and so many things. So to your question of how creativity can help us to achieve excellence, uh, and I think what we've been saying through the conversation so far, that excellence is not is not being perfect, right? It, it's not perfectionism, right? Excellence is about being outstanding. It's about being authentic. I would like to use that word, being authentic. For me, being excellent means being authentic. And what I would like to tell the listeners is that you can be authentic without being perfect and without being necessarily successful. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Let's say you're trying to become a speaker. And you are very authentic in that you want to pass a message out. You you really believe in your message. For example, I believe in my message that creativity is the most critical, soft, and relevant skill that we have in today's, in today's world, in any profession, in any career, backed by lots of research and reports. Now, I'm, a, I'm a authentic about getting that message out. I may not be the most technically competent speaker. I may speak very quickly. My accent may get in the way of things. Um, you know, my physical, my facial expression may not be, you know, that's a skill I may not be too well at, but I'm pursuing excellence or I'm being excellent by being creative, by thinking, all right, I may not be so technically competent in the art of speaking, but how can I fuse what is good about me? Perhaps I'm, I can connect with audience through telling a joke or connect audience through telling moving stories. By me being authentic and tapping into what's unique about me, that is how I become excellent. Because it requires that creativity to get in touch with my identity. Because every time I keep saying creativity is an identity extractor, it's, it's bringing out something that's unique to you. It's not a one-size-fits-all. So for me to be um, excellent in speaking, it doesn't necessarily mean enrolling in a Toastmasters class or signing up to a master class in public speaking, that's not necessarily going to get me to that excellent place. What gets me to that excellent place is being authentic and, and connecting to my uniqueness and identity. Well, there's a, there's a great quote, Robert, in your book where you said, you'll not be defined by your profession or aptitude or test results or executive position. You will be yourself. And that's, you know, the, I, I love that. I actually put a highlight in my copy of the book at that quote. Um, uh, the question, though, was in your book as well. You talk about um, four levels of creativity. You call it the 4C model. Do you want to explain the 4Cs and how they, how they fit together and how they work for the listeners? Sure. Um, well, I can't take credit for, for that. Um, <laughs> uh, but the 4C model of creativity just helps us to better understand the wide spectrum of creativity. And the reason why I put that in the book is I found that one of the barriers for people being creative is a lack of understanding of what creativity actually is. Uh, like I've mentioned earlier, it's not just scholar, it's not just artistic um, or musical. So the 4C model of creativity helps us to just get that full spectrum, starting at the mini uh, C level, right? Where it's at an individual. You know, this level of creativity is just mainly, it's something new to the individual. It's not groundbreaking. It's not... Uh, anything fantastic, like you found a new recipe to cook, you found a new way of, of achieving your, your task. So it's, it's, it's sort of at a personal level. Um, and then goes to the literacy level of creativity. A literacy level of creativity now is when the person is sharing this creativity, this insight, this new idea with someone else for the benefit of others. So yes, I found a new recipe of how to cook something, but now I've started sharing it in my book club with my friends. Um, and people like, wow, they're getting 
benefit at this level is where you're opening up your idea for feedback, you know, for iterations, for, for change, and you're actually using it to solve a problem. And then you go to the proceed level of creativity, which is the professional level. This is when someone has decided, I want to take my creativity to a professional level. I want to be a full-time you know, musician and a full-time interior designer, a full-time whatever it might be. Um, I want to be a full-time speaker because even speaking can have an element of, of creativity to it. So this, this is the level of creativity where someone says, I want to earn a living. I want to make it a career, quote in quotes, um, with my creativity. This is one I want to be known for. And then we go to the big C level of creativity, which is at a place where you become a household name, where you are known, you know, you're an Einstein, your products are being used by so many people, you are, you know, whatever, and Walt Disney sort of, sort of level. Um, that, that's, 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 that model helps us to understand the vast um, spectrum of, of creativity. And the last point I'll state there is that you, you don't have to be, your creativity doesn't have to be, you don't have to pick one level and stick at it. It's not necessarily, um, it's not something that escalates. You can, <clears throat> sorry, you can double in between the different levels. And you have different aspects of your creativity. So some parts of your creativity might be at a mini C level. Some parts may be at a pro C level. Some parts may be at, you know, different levels. So we've been talking a lot about excellence. You know, this is the Business Excellence Podcast. And you talked about, you know, we have to get past procrastination. We don't, you've just got to do stuff. So what are some things that you could share with our listeners in, so that would help them in their pursuit of excellence? Fantastic. The one thing, I'll only give one answer uh, because the whole issue of procrastination also is paralysis by analysis. <laughs> uh, that's one of the issues of procrastinations. You are trying to get too much information. You're trying to um, overanalyze everything. So I'll only give one thing that you need to do to overcome procrastination and pursue excellence. And that's courage. All right. Overcoming procrastination just requires courage, not the best plan not the best support, not the best tools. You hear this a lot. Uh, when I get a better camera, I'll start a YouTube channel. When I get a better microphone, I'll start a podcast. Uh, what it just requires is courage. Courage knowing that you're going to go in and not have everything sorted out. Courage is a commitment. This is what I tell people. Courage, if you look up the definition of courage, it, it's not about being the strongest. It's not about being the most fit. It's not about being the best. You know, The ones who are courageous are not necessarily the best. The ones who are courageous are the ones who are most committed. What the commitment is or the commitment to, that's that's a question for you to answer. What are you committed to? And I would advise that people should be committed to failure. So, yeah, I think I'll be very bad as a motivational speaker if you hear me say that you should commit to failure. But I, I say that because failure is, is the mastery of learning, right? It's fuel for mastery. It's fuel for learning. And, and we're talking about excellence and to be excellent requires us to continuously learn to continuously pivot and the people who can pivot and get back up very quickly are people who are creative because they don't overcommit to something they try it out and if it works it does it works if it doesn't work it doesn't work that is the one thing i'll say in overcoming procrastination and getting to the point of excellence cool Robert, we are sadly out of time. Been a very interesting discussion. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. Thank you so much for the conversation. Um, and listeners, if you've enjoyed any nuggets from this show, you can get in contact with me 
by my website, which is www.robertabell.com. And Bell is B-E-L-L-E. Um, and then I'm I'm very uh, sort of active on LinkedIn, I would say. <laughs> um, and that's Robert A. Bell. Um, but once you get to my website, you can get all the links to various social media platforms, YouTube channel, uh, my podcast, and any other aspects you can find me on the internet. And if they wanted to get a copy of Blow the Lid Off, is that on Amazon or your website? What's the best way? Yes. Um, you're talking to me from Australia. I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, people can get my book anywhere. Books are sold on the internet, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all variations of Amazon, not just Amazon.com, um, Amazon.co.uk, you know, Australia, every aspect. So that's blow the lid off, reclaim your stolen creativity, increase your income, and let your light shine. Available wherever you can get uh, books, or you can visit my website, and then you'll get links to where you can purchase the book. Perfect. Thank you very much, Robert. And thank you for being a gracious sharing guest on the Business Excellence Podcast today. Thank you to my co-host, Lindsay Adams. This is Rail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. And a reminder to our listeners that there are amazing resources on www.excellencepodcast.com, including two ebooks, one written by myself and one written by my co-host, Lindsay Adams, that are available for you to help you on you, your journey to creating excellence in your life and in your business.